This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Knowledge at Wharton, and you're listening to Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. The proposed $85 billion merger between AT&T and Time Warner may have hit a bit of a bump in the road. Reports have said in the last few days that the Justice Department uh, said that in order for the merger to move forward, Time Warner must sell cable news giant CNN. But then AT&T CEO Randall Stevenson has said that there really was never a mandate by the DOJ to sell CNN. But if required, several experts, if this were to go to court, and this actually was true, say that the DOJ may not win in a court fight. A lot of he said, he said going on right now. To take a look at these latest developments, we are joined in studio by Herbert Hovenkamp, who's a professor with a joint appointment between the Wharton School and the University of Pennsylvania Law School with a focus on antitrust law. And joining us on the phone is Hemant Bargava, who's a chair in technology management at the University of California, Davis. And he's also director of a new master's program in business analytics at UC Davis as well. Herbert, nice to meet you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Hey, Hamad, great to have you back with us today. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much. I mean, Hamad, we hear about companies uh, when these mergers are, are, are potentially moving forward being asked to divest assets from time to time. Uh, if this was actually the case, then how is this different? So I think this is um, an area where, unlike many other business products, there are some new forms of industry organization and competition, especially something we call platforms and ecosystems. And I think sometimes the nature of competition there is very different. So in a standard sense, this is a vertical merger. Um, AT&T has the transport channel, and then there is the, the content that Time Warner and HBO and so forth. And so generally, this should be good for consumers because you get more efficiencies. But I think in this case, it's going to be could be potentially different because once you get this vertical merger, there is the potential for the combined company to say, well, I have this great content HBO, and I'm going to hold it off only on my channel and distribute it exclusively so that it may force consumers to come to AT&T from Comcast. So then that changes the nature of competition again, and that may not be so good for consumers. So I think in, in, in the net, it's really hard to say. Herbert? Yeah, well... I think you have to distinguish between the mere possibility of those kinds of exclusive contracts and the question whether they're profitable under the circumstances. Uh, One important thing is that content is non-rivalrous, which means that when one person has it, someone else does not necessarily have less of it. And as a result, an exclusivity agreement uh, might operate to switch Uh, a customer from one carrier to another. Uh, But if it doesn't do that, it's simply denying the uh, controlling company revenue because uh, instead of getting their revenue from multiple platforms, they'll be getting it from only one. Now, I'm not saying that that makes uh, this strategy uh, unlikely, uh, but only that you have to look at it fairly carefully to see if it's profitable uh, under under a specific set of uh, of circumstances, the, the, is this though a a deal that 
uh, in your mind when we think of, of the the idea of the concern of monopoly in, in where, wherever the sector is? Do you think that this is a deal that actually has that concern? It clearly has the concern. The question is whether there's enough evidence that that concern will manifest itself in this particular case. I mean, this is this is a big merger. It covers a lot of territory. Yeah. We're always concerned about about big firms, uh, but we need to see a fairly clear path to some kind of exclusionary uh, practice, and that's going to be the thing that the Justice Department is going to have to show. And so far, you know, it really hasn't said anything other than that it's looking at possibilities. And right. the way the Justice Department usually works, it won't say anything until it's announced uh, a decision. And seemingly that's the question, Himan, is the fact that uh, the, the stories, the reporting had been, obviously, that they wanted CNN to be divested from this uh, in order to move this forward. But the, as Herbert just mentioned, there are other possibilities as well. DirecTV is a, is a potential in this mix. There are other options that the DOJ has said that they are willing to look at as a potential way to, to have this merger moving forward. It seems like the DOJ is willing to, to approve it at some point. Um, you know, I would emphasize again, it's hard to say because there are potentially arguments on both sides and how it actually plays out, like Herbert mentioned. You really have to understand whether things like exclusivity, withholding of content would truly be profitable or not. And if you look at the evidence from other sectors, it goes both ways. So if you look at something like iTunes, it's not available on the Android system. But if you look at, you know, Amazon's Kindle, it's available on every platform. So every firm makes those uh, analyses to figure out if it's uh, ideal for them or not. And, you know, there's one other thing I want to add in this case, that exclusivity of content through your distribution channel, from customers and competitors can actually get around that by making the content available over the Internet through the web, just like Netflix is, right? They don't have a direct uh, distribution channel. So that economics has it's really not been worked out. And I think this is something we're going to hear more news. And um, if I were to look at this from AT&T's perspective, I think giving up CNN would actually, it, se- it seems like it's, it's very little to lose because regardless of who owns CNN, it's the kind of content that would be distributed to all platforms. Right. But if AT&T were to be asked, for instance, to divest HBO, that would be very different. And I think uh, with DirecTV, it's a similar point that it's not something they would want to give up. Yeah, I completely agree with with Hamad. If uh, it's one thing to simply articulate the possibilities, it's another thing to come up with enough evidence uh, to convince a federal district judge that this merger is likely to be to be anti-competitive. And and just related that, I, I want to add one thing because there's been a lot of discussion in the press about the fact that President Trump does not like CNN right. and that maybe this is just, you know, Trump's whim communicated to the Justice Department that they should challenge this merger because he doesn't like it. Number one, the Justice Department is not going to respond to that even if it were the case. And, and this morning, Mr. Delarim, the head of the antitrust division, denied that that's true, and I'm absolutely sure he's correct on that. But the important thing to remember is that The Justice Department has no authority to block a merger on its own. It only has the authority to file a complaint with a federal district court, 
And then it has to conf- uh, convince a federal judge under a standard which we call probable success on the merits, which means it has to have evidence and a theory about why this merger is anti-competitive. Uh, and it cannot simply go into court and say, well, Mr. Trump doesn't like this merger, and as a result, we're yeah. going to condemn it. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Herbert. When you look kind of historically in the recent past, can you look at this merger, AT&T, Time Warner, and then also look at Comcast, NBC Universal, and see if there are similarities potentially between the two that would lead you to understand why the Comcast, NBC Universal deal went through and whether or not there is a hint as to how that would impact this deal? Uh, a little of each. First of all, mergers tend to be one-offs. I mean, you can kind of group them, and these right. are both vertical mer- mergers in, in media. Uh, on the other hand, they differ in important ways, too. Uh, the merger enforcement has, become, has come under a fair amount of criticism in the last couple of years for being under-deterrent. We've had too many mergers that have resulted in price increases in right. a number of, uh, of areas, including the Comcast, uh, the, 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 the Comcast-NBC merger. And I think the Justice Department has gotten that message. Mr. Delarim in particular does not like consent decrees with conditions attached to them. And that's what we did with the Comcast-NBC merger. He prefers structural relief, and for, and for a very defensible reason, in, in my view, and that is these consent decree mergers basically require the government to take ongoing supervision over these companies because, you know, they have to make sure that they're complying with the decrees. And so they basically turn the company into kind of a regulated utility where mm-hmm. people complain about compliance and so on. On the other hand, we generally think of divestitures as fixing the problem structurally, uh, and as a result, you don't have to come back and revisit it every so often uh, if uh, if this or that thing should should happen. So he's looking for finality, and that's why I think he's looking at the possibilities of divestiture. That doesn't necessarily mean that he will insist on a divestiture, but right. the indications are right now that he's giving that a very hard look. He might. Yeah, well, I think you have an expert speaking there, so I, I don't have too much to add. But I think um, the the one thing I would add is if you look at the two sides of the business, you know, we think of the pipe part of the business as high, heavily commoditized, but it's also true that it's a business that has had very high sunk costs and operating margins are very, very high. So from the perspective of AT&T, what they're trying to do is give their customers more reason to remain with AT&T for their ISP business. And by acquiring yeah. content and, you know, creating operational efficiencies and maybe even providing some of that content exclusively only to their customers, this is one way for them to maintain this highly profitable ISP business. Well, and, and without this type of a deal for AT&T, Hamad, uh, they are obviously not as valuable a company because of, of what they provide in kind of this new world of being able to uh, be able to touch the consumer on three or four different positions, correct? Absolutely, that's correct. So there is the Internet service itself. There is the content that you can you know provide through various bundles. And if you did not own the content, maybe consumers could get it from anybody else. And then on top of that, there is the advertising uh, possibilities. 
and maybe even all the, the data marketing from all the data they can collect uh, when they have so many touch points with the consumers. So I think you're absolutely right. There are these three or four prongs of business that ideally AT&T would try to make them work in concert and derive synergies. So then, and, and that's, that's the, where this could be going. So then what do you think is the most important piece to this, to this deal for AT&T in your mind? So in my mind, if, as, as we think of the different pieces, um, as I said, I think, so if you look at Time Warner's major properties, as HBO, the movies, TV shows, uh, you know, comics, uh, CNN, Turner, and so forth, I feel that the most valuable pieces that AT&T would want to keep for themselves are the ones that have the potential for exclusivity and basically for differentiation with their competitors. And something like CNN, uh, maybe not, and perhaps uh, things like Warner Brothers fall right in the middle, where it's it's hard to determine, you know, right now whether they would try to make exclusive arrangements or not. Most likely not. So I think, um, as I said earlier, if if they had to give up CNN in order to get through this deal, that would not be a terrible loss. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. I, I mentioned uh, him on uh, Directv, and, and mm-hmm. what what is the importance? in terms of the scope of of this potential deal of having DirecTV or not having DirecTV? I, so with DirecTV, I think there these this is horizontal. There are some customers who can get AT&T, U-verse, and other Internet services. There are other customers who are on satellite. And so this would simply be a big loss of market share for AT&T if they were forced to give up DirecTV. It would not be very attractive. It would also then uh, force them to lose all the content and advertising revenues that flow from having DirecTV customers. So it, that that does not sound like an attractive thing in the merger. And, and the advertising piece to it is a very important component for a company like AT&T to be able to boost their revenues from some of the other pieces that Time Warner has in them, correct? Absolutely. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. So I guess Herbert, the question is: is how do you see this playing out? Because I mean, obviously, this was announced quite a while ago. Uh, the expectation was, I believe, that they hope to be able to put this to bed by the end of the year. It doesn't seem like maybe that's going to have. That's going to rattle some of the investors of AT and T of Time Warner at this point. How do you see this kind of playing out? Well, I don't see any particular route with a great deal of confidence. I think there's several alternatives. One is if the Justice Department insists on a big divestiture, uh, I'm guessing they'll go to court. And then the Justice Department better hope they've got the evidence to back up. Uh, They've got to be able to show higher consumer prices in some market in order to make out uh, a prima facie merger case under the under the current standards. Uh, and the other possibility, of course, is that the Justice Department will uh, permit some kinds of uh, conditions to be attached to this merger, and it'll go forward uh, that way. I don't expect anymore that the parties are just going to abandon 
abandon this merger. But is the expectation of higher prices for the consumer almost a natural when you think of a Comcast with an NBC Universal coming in partnership together? Not necessarily that it happened, but the expectation of adding so much content and obviously all all this technology that the consumer is going to be getting more. Hence, Comcast is going to want to up the prices for their operations, similar to what AT&T might want to have if they have HBO, Time Warner, all these other pieces involved. Well, okay. When I say higher prices, I mean higher prices for a constant level of content. Right. I mean, if if the product gets better or bigger and the price goes up in proportion, we right. wouldn't count that as a price increase with antitrust significance. So okay. an, an improved product could sell at a larger a, a larger price, and you know, as Hamad says, you know, one of the one of the this is a mo- rapidly moving target, and it's always very very risky to make merger policy, make any kind of antitrust policy, when technology is changing so quickly. And one of the things that's happening is that exclusivity is getting harder and harder to maintain because there are so many alternative avenues for getting uh, for for getting programming. Uh, and as a result, uh, you know, I think I think the Justice Department is right to be very cautious about trying to uh, to challenge this thing without really having a clear evidence supported explanation for how higher for how consumer harm is going to occur. That being said, it, it, I have an expectation of obviously we have seen these deals kind of pop up over the last five years or so, and it feels like we are seeing them in a more uh, you know, timely nature that they are coming about. My expectation is that that if you have Comcast, uh, NBC Universal, and that gets approved, and AT and T, Time Warner gets approved, then to a degree these will continue to happen. I mean, uh, T Mobile and Sprint, you know, they decided that they are not going to move forward at least right now. But the expectation is we will continue to see these types of mergers continue to occur. To some extent, uh, I. Th- don't think we'll see a lot of heavily horizontal mergers okay. in this market anymore. It's already becoming pretty concentrated. And then the real question is how much can vertical integration improve product performance right. and how much does it result in, in consumer harm? And that has always been a much trickier problem. I mean, we're we're much more satisfied with our conclusions that horizontal mergers in highly concentrated markets cause consumer harm because they reduce output and raise price. The story on vertical mergers is much more difficult to maintain, and particularly in a market, you know, where especially the younger generation is switching to Internet-based programming in droves. There's Most of these things are available from alternative sources, uh, and as a result, the Profits to exclusivity are getting harder and harder to uh, to commandeer. Hemat, yeah, I think that is absolutely correct. Um, uh, and and the reference to cord cutting is also crucial. Um, you know, people will want their HBO and Game of Thrones, but if they don't get it through AT and T, um, their demand will exist for them, and either they will get it elsewhere, or it wouldn't make sense for AT and T to then, um, you know, make it available through the web instead of through Comcast, if that's that's what's attractive. But at the end of the day, I think um, Herbert is right that the what the effect will be on consumer prices is very, very hard to predict. But I think there are su- there's sufficient arguments to make that it would not increase consumer prices. So you have the operating efficiency argument from the vertical merger, 
And then you have this point that exclusivity will be very hard to maintain because exclusivity would have been one way to increase prices. But if you cannot really uh, maintain and force that, then that lever goes away. So I, I think this, this, if it does go to court, I feel there are arguments on both sides, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of this will be a uh, little speculative. But I would feel that this is, um, at least from the perspective of consumer prices, that this can be defended as a good merger. And because of all these content pieces being becoming more important, Ahmad, uh, a lot of people have talked about what the future of TV is going to be and, and the fact that cable as an entity uh, really has some issues that it has to deal with here in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think we've talked about this, that the future would be these uh, somewhat walled gardens, but with porous walls, and that's what we were just discussing, that, that there are many other avenues for the content. I think uh, in, in, in terms of the future, so we have these, we've seen these mergers, right, these vertical mergers. And as far as fixed-line access to the Internet is concerned, there is really not that many more providers. And then on the wireless side, you have the Verizon Sprint, T-Mobile, so there are those potential uh, gardens. And uh, then, you know, we have other alternatives happening, uh, you know, really, really high-speed um, uh, uh, wireless, the the 5G uh, possibility. So really the competition then will become between fixed line and wireless providers. And they will be, they're all in the same market ultimately. So I think that is the future that we may have four or five major outlets to provide both access and content. Great having you both with us. Herbert, thank you very much for coming in. Greatly appreciated today. Thank you. I thank you very it. much. Hey, man. Thank you, Dan. Great to see you again. Great to talk to you again. Thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, very nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Himan Bargava of the University of California at Davis, Herbert Hovenkamp here of the uh, Wharton School and the University of Pennsylvania Law School. We will take a break. Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.